You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Padres podcast network, uh, your team every day for Friday, November 11th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly, as evidenced by that intro, uh, not always the most. Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, that's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. Assuming Twitter is still a thing by the time we, uh, <laughs> everybody listens to this here episode, you might be familiar with some of my baseball work. Please go check that out at JustBaseball.com. I'm writing a bunch of things. I'm working. I'm in the midst. I'm in the midst of a battlefield of articles over there. So go check out that site. It's really great. And of course, everybody, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can see the cool hat that I just put on. Yeah, you can't see it if you're if you're an audio listener. That's right. So you got to go check out the YouTube to see it, man. You got you just you got to do it. It's 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 pertinent to your survival. Let me tell you. Um, but no, seriously, everybody. On today's episode, we got to talk about some Padres news that I thought was pretty thrilling, to be honest with you. Uh, it was some big news um, surrounding Mr. Robert Suarez. Um, also, some news regarding Manny Machado being one of the three nominees for National League MVP. My only comment on that, going to get that out of the way, going to be doing an episode about him on Monday, doing starting my uh, player review uh, series, where we're going to be going through players on the Padres and doing a review of them, and the first one up has to be Manny Machado. We're going to be doing that on Monday, talking about his MVP case and such. Shouts to him. Shouts to some of the Padres that got some silver slugger uh, recognition with Brandon Drury. And hold on, I don't have them off the top of my head right now. Uh, no, I don't have them. Oh, there we go. Soto, Soto Josh Bell, Brandon Drury. That's pretty cool. Um, just awesome stuff. But we got to talk about the big news. And the big news, as first reported, if I'm not mistaken, by uh, John Morosi, if I'm not mistaken. Let me, I'm going to make sure I get that right. But while I try and get that right, uh, the Padres just signed Robert Suarez to a big old fat boy contract, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. One of the breakout kind of relief pitchers, dare I say in baseball, honestly, uh, this year you had your guys like Ryan Helsley of the Cardinals, right? I know that there were some other ones out there. I know that the the Dodgers had a couple of them. I know that, um, what's it called, the Phillies with Jose Alvarado. I know it didn't end well for him in the World Series, but Sir Anthony Dominguez... Players like that. Uh, five years, $46 million contract for Robert Suarez. If you're curious on some other things about that, apparently it's got an opt-out uh, player option in the fourth year of that deal, which would be his age 35 season or after his age 35 season. Um, and yeah, uh, this is a big deal, guys. Let's So let's first let me just give my... Let's start off by saying that I am super happy for Robert Suarez, and I think that we all are in agreement about that. This is a dude who has battled, right? This is a dude who's the definition of having a career that's been kind of all over the place. I mean, he made his debut. His rookie year was at the age of 31 years old. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild for the kind of path that he's been on for all of this to happen. 
and it was John Morosi that first reported it, by the way, um, that for all this to happen, to make your debut as well for the Padres and blow a save was really just like, I've said this before, just the most inauspicious start I've seen for a Padres player in quite some time. Um, but then he bounces back and he was excellent, um, which is no real surprise for anyone who followed the team um, pretty closely this year. Um, five years, 46 million, by the way, that's an average salary of about 9.2 million. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh man, this is, this is tough because there's a couple things to react to with this. Number one is that I love that Robert Suarez throws, throws gas. He can hit triple digits with that fastball. He's shown a command of a changeup and he can adjust and even throw a cutter in there every once in a while, right? Like, he has done that, and I know a lot of people are making little jokes about the Padres and how he gave up that home run to Bryce Harper, as if no one gave up homers except for Robert Suarez to Bryce Harper, right? That's a whole thing, right? I get it. He has been susceptible to some unfortunate blowups in just really key spots that, unfortunately, it's just kind of unfortunate that they happen to him, right? Like, it's not necessarily an indictment as overall skill set, but just that he's had some really massively... Uh, famous blowups, right? And I think that that reminds me a little bit of, say, someone like Araldis Chapman, who, but for for Yankees fans, and I can say this as someone who lives more in the more New York metropolitan area, that he's viewed as like the ultimate bum Yankee. Even though when you look at his numbers and stuff, he was an incredibly effective pitcher for them for a number of years. It's just that he had the walk off to Altuve in the playoffs. He had some blowups against the Red Sox, like just poorly timed bad days, I guess. And I think that's what happened with Robert Suarez in his rookie year. But overall, his numbers were excellent uh, in a lot of ways. On top of the strikeout stuff that I just mentioned, um, 2.27 ERA with 61 strikeouts in 47 and two-thirds innings. And the deal essentially means that the Padres are probably considering Robert Suarez their closer of the future. And this wasn't necessarily the first thing that I expected them to address. I actually thought that uh, a player like Nick Martinez, I thought that maybe even first base might be an area that they try to attack first. But, hey, that's what we're kind of in right now. We're heading into, or at least we're about to get into the winter meetings. That'll be the next kind of landmark uh, date to keep up with uh, when those start happening. And, yeah, I just think that it's it's a little bit surprising. After one year and without a proven track record, that's the biggest thing here about Robert Suarez is that I, I like the stuff and I loved him when he came, when he first got signed. I did. I, I am on record for saying, I love the signing. I love that they decided instead of paying Mark Melanson, let's give it to Luis Garcia and Robert Suarez. And when I saw the, the kind of numbers on Suarez, I like the stuff. I like high heat and I kind of like his attitude about things. Despite having some of these blowups, he doesn't seem like he gets rattled all that much. And I, I really like that out of a closer, especially. And I imagine that, Someone like Bob Melvin, these kind of old school, you know, or not even old school, but just managers like to see guys like that, especially if they're expected to be your closer. You want to see guys that don't get rattled too often. And Luis Garcia was solid for the Padres. He even had some really great moments in the postseason. Believe me, some of those pitches, man. Oh, man. Uh, so he was great. Luis Garcia and Robert Suarez. Again, over and over, the Padres, every single time I get some people complaining, we don't have a closer. Oh, oh my God. And then they trade for Taylor Rogers to start the season. And he's great for a while. 
Then he starts stinking it, stinking up, right? Oh, oh my gosh, we're doomed. Oh, oh we're doomed. Uh, and then they trade for Josh Hader. And then he stinks for a while. And then he kind of claims it back. So basically what I'm saying is to him, Matt, is that relief pitching is weird and guys go up and down all the time. So now the part that we have to get into really quickly is, was this deal something that the Padres really needed to do? And I think that there are a couple of important components to this, right? Obviously, we talked about the talent of Robert Suarez. I like him. I think he's really effective. Just had some unfortunate blowups and some poorly timed spots, right? The other thing is it's it's unprecedented, like I mentioned, about the not a proven track record, but also this would give the Padres two top 10 highest paid relievers for 2023 are on the Padres right now, right? So you've got Raziel Iglesias, who's the highest paid um, for the Atlanta Braves. You're having Edwin Diaz, obviously he's going to be in there, but you've got guys like Ryan Presley, Yusei Kikuchi, Drew Pomeranz, who did not pitch for the Padres, and Austin Adams is not on this list necessarily, but he's also a guy that will be returning. So you have Drew Pomeranz, and then you're going to have Robert Suarez making 9.2, Pomeranz at 10 million, and then you've also got Austin Adams in there who only threw, I believe, like two-thirds of an inning or something. I don't, I don't even think I was watching it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but this is important. I think that the Padres are essentially making a bet that Josh Hader, who is going to be turning 29... Um, I believe before the start of next season, or at least right when the season starts, I think his birthday's in March. He's going to be turning 29, which is significant because that's much younger than Robert Suarez by about three years. And I think the Padres are basically saying, we'll have Josh Hader for one more year. He can be the guy. He can be awesome. And otherwise, if he is awesome, we would rather pay Robert Suarez right now the $9.2 million for five years instead of potentially paying a whole lot more for Josh Hader. I mean, you just saw what Edwin Diaz got. If Josh Hader has another good year, contract year, he could probably ask for just as much as Edwin Diaz, if not more. Uh, so I think that's what the Padres are thinking here. I think. I think. I'm often wrong about things, though, so don't take my full word for it. But before we keep talking about this deal and just... I, I am so excited by the fact that we got some Padres news already. Before we continue on, ladies and gentlemen... I need to talk to you about something important. Mm -mm. No, no, no. It's not staying hydrated and whatnot. It is betting. <laughs> staying hydrated. A little bit more important, everybody. Uh, make sure you're staying hydrated out there. It's tough times. Um, but betonline.net, ladies and gentlemen, it is your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Maybe you want to know about what's going on in the land of basketball. Maybe you were one of those sorry, sorry poor degenerates who made a, a bet on Cordero Patterson last night for the Falcons in that uh, Panthers-Falcons game. He was on one of my fantasy teams. That stunk. Uh, maybe you're one of those folks. Maybe you like basketball stuff. Maybe you like soccer. Maybe you like esports. Let me tell you, if you made a wager on the um, the MLS final, you were in for a trip because that game was wild. I had never watched the MLS, but man, I can only imagine as a better how that must have been. But... Let me tell you guys, you can also find sports podcasts over at Bet Online, and they've got everything. I mean, what do you want me to say? It's it's we're talking about Bet Online, we're talking about sports betting, we're talking about sports info. Bet Online has you covered, man. Um, easiest, fastest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today, or use your mobile device. 
to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Mm-hmm. Indeed, where the game starts. Let's keep talking about this deal, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep talking about it. So this is the first big splash of the Padres offseason. I already outlined how it's going to be a pricey bullpen um, in a lot of ways, right? We'll see how the Josh Hader thing kind of uh, ferments itself in terms of just the the ARB and all that stuff, right? And the rest of the roster, you know, we're going to be talking about Juan Soto. Dennis Lynn of The Athletic wrote a column basically talking about some of these questions, right? Some of the big questions heading into the offseason. Soto was one of them. Nick Martinez was one of them. Robert Suarez was one of them. And then, of course, uh, yesterday's news happened. I think that with the Padres, they're once again basically making a bet on having a good bullpen. Um, and they want that to carry them. Austin Adams, when he's not hitting guys, uh, like with the ball, not literally, um, as long as he's not hitting batters, really effective relief pitcher. Drew Pomeranz, also very, very good. But it does need to be mentioned that, uh, what's it called? And um, Dennis Lynn actually mentioned this. I'm going to read um, from his article, if I can find the, the dang thing. The Padres have firsthand experience, though, with relievers who are kind of, you know, turning a little bit old. Robert Suarez is going to be 32, like I mentioned, uh, on March 1st. And Drew Pomeranz, he was 31, just like Robert Suarez was, when he received a four-year, $34 million contract from San Diego. And Pomeranz has thrown fewer than 50 innings in the three seasons since. Ooh. Now, first of all, it does need to be mentioned that, you know, one of one of those seasons was shortened, right? It was the 2020 season, and he was healthy throughout all of that. His first kind of main entry into the fold, I guess, for the Padres for the most part, he was great. He was excellent. So that is worth pointing out that it's not like he missed all of 2020 because it was a shortened season. But that happens in 2021 and then obviously this season. So it's uh, – there's, there's a lot of things to talk about here, right? I think that Pomeranz – is really good when healthy. I think we've seen that. He was clearly supposed to be the closer. But the way I see this is the Padres are saying, you know what? In Just in case, the, the starting pitching market, which I actually think is a little bit light, I feel like you just saw last night also Clayton Kershaw re-upped with the Dodgers. I think Justin Verlander is probably going to re-up with the Astros. At least it feels likely, Right. I feel like the starting pitching market might be a little bit soft, at least in terms of free agency. There's not too many guys out there that I love, right? And you're losing Mike Clevenger and Sean Maniah to free agency. So maybe the Padres are saying, we're going to get one of those other guys that Javier Ray has mentioned on his podcast, right? Like a Quintana, like a Tyler Anderson, you know, like a whatever. Like uh, people along that line. I'm going to pull up the starting pitchers, actually. Um, I think that, uh, hold on, let me make sure I get the free agents up. Um, I think that the Padres are basically saying, we're going to go into next year and say, screw it. Uh, we might not have a lot of depth in our starting pitching. Still got to see how you Darvish ages, right? That's very important. Still got to see if Blake Snell can put together a complete season and that just only be good in the second half. And then you've got Joe Musgrove, who's great, but is he like a number one overall ace guy? I personally don't think so. I think he flirts with those moments, and he's going to have great moments like he did for the first half of this season. Um, but 
considering he doesn't throw super hard, I actually think that he, or considering that he doesn't throw super hard and he relies more on spin stuff and having a mixture of massive repertoire, I actually think he could age well. So he might just be a really solid, awesome, incredible number three who flirts with being a number two, number one every now and then for five years. Like I like that um, Joe Musgrove, I feel like is going to age well. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know anything, but still. And then they're saying, all right, since we don't know what's going to happen with the starting pitching market, which I'm looking at right now, you've got Carlos Rodon, who's 30 years old and has an injury history. you got Jacob deGrom, who's actually 35, low-key, and Lord knows he has an injury history. And then after that, Uvalde, Tyler Anderson, Chris Bassett, Kyle Gibson, Corey Kluber, who's 37, Martin Perez, not bad. I like Martin Perez, but a lot of teams are going to want him. Jamison Tyone, Taiwan Walker could be an interesting player here. Uh, maybe potentially Wade Miley, Zach. There's just, there's not a lot. And in fairness, it feels like there's never all that many amount of star pitchers, right? I think last season was a little bit of an exception, right? And we don't know if maybe there's going to be some trade candidate that pops up over the, the winter and what have you, right? We don't know that. But I think the Padres said, we don't know exactly who we're going to get here. We're going to try for some of those top free agents, I imagine. Hey, maybe even get a Noah Syndergaard as like your fourth guy. That's not too bad. But let's boost the bullpen. Let's go into next year and say, if Austin Adams comes back healthy, that's a good arm, right? Then we just locked up Robert Suarez, who we think might be one of those top free agents uh, heading into the offseason next year. And then you have Josh Hader for one year, who looks like he recaptured a lot of why the Padres had traded for him, both at the end of the season a little bit, of the regular season, and in the postseason especially. He was instrumental in the Padres' success in the postseason, especially against the Dodgers in like one-run, two-run leads. This isn't a guy who pitched with a five-run lead and closed things out. He was awesome, right? So you have those guys, and then hopefully you get Drew Pomeranz back, and then maybe you develop some other guys. You still got Luis Garcia. I like the bullpen. The bullpen is clearly going to be a strength for the Padres. And I think that they basically decided, let's have an awesome bullpen next year. And we'd rather have Robert Suarez for potentially cheap, even if, albeit a little bit less proven, than someone like Josh Hader or whoever the heck is the next big guy who's going to break out next year, right? Relief pitchers tend to do that, uh, it seems. Um, that you replace Pierce Johnson, like maybe maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't hate that. But also, like I mentioned, d health will be a concern, and paying relievers is really tough. I mean, I gave Josh Hader a lot of flack in the regular season in terms of this is just what tends to happen with relievers. They're super volatile, and you don't want to make too much of a commitment, right? Because that usually can bite you in the butt, and that's unfortunate. But I don't mind it too much. I don't mind it too much. I'm just really curious with how the Padres are going to go about addressing some of their other needs, which is something that Dennis Lynn in this article addressed as well. Whether it's what's going on at first base, who is that other rotation arm they're going to get, right? I'm not at DEFCON 1. I don't think they need a superstar, but getting a guy who can throw you innings is going to be important. And then what's going to happen with, say, re-signing Jerickson Profar, who Scott Boris uh, said... In a statement, pro far so good. <laughs> oh man, since when did Scott Boris like make little funny little puns like that? I don't know. That guy's always just a blast. Um, but you've also got some other news, ladies and gentlemen, that we have to talk about. Firstly, firstly, 
Nick Martinez, who, according to Dennis Lynn of The Athletic, he tweeted out, a bunch of other people were saying, the Padres and and Nick Martinez are still talking and still negotiating, which kind of adds up. It feels like he clearly wants to still uh, pitch for the Padres, um, which is great. I think that he was instrumental. Apparently, he's been a good locker room guy. I love watching him pitch because he comes in. He's so jazz. He's so electric. I love guys like that. I love guys who come in and they're just jazzed to be there and they perform well. And I think that Nick Martinez, as I've mentioned um, in the past and as Dennis Lynn mentions in his article as well, having a big postseason the way he did, those 11 innings, that can really do, like it really might have boosted his stock a little bit. And I think it's important here to note that the Padres are probably considering him as a reliever. Um, Another kind of flexibility remains in play, reading from Dennis Lynn now. Despite their holes in the rotation, some Padres officials prefer Martinez as a reliever rather than a starter, including the postseason. Martinez logged a 2.22 ERA and 15 walks in 65 innings. In 52 and a third innings as a starter, he recorded a 4.3 ERA and 27 walks, which is not... Like, the worst in the world, especially when you watched him pitch, right? Like, he was okay. You could potentially back, uh, do a piggyback thing where maybe you bring in another reliever as the fifth starter. They did that a couple times this year, and I thought it was fairly effective, especially in the case of uh, Mike Clevenger. It was it was a well-thought-out strategy to be like, this guy's coming off surgery. We're going to have him start, and then Martinez come in for, like, the next three innings, right? Three and three. That's cool. And if they need him to start, I think it's nice that you have this relief pitcher who could potentially start. He could be a, a two-inning guy. He could be the closer if need be. Not his best area in the world. I think he showed a couple of uh, slip-ups, especially with his walk stuff and closer role situations, especially since he doesn't really have, like, wipeout stuff. Um, this isn't a guy who's going to push the triple digits like Robert Suarez and get you necessarily all those strikeouts that you need. I say necessarily. He can still do it. But... The same way Hayter and Robert Suarez and even an Austin Adams and Pomeranz and all those guys can, right? Instead, he's this Swiss Army relief pitcher. And I think that's why teams are going to be interested in him. And I think that's why the Padres are going to want him. Um, I'd love for him to be um, a bullpen guy. It's just going to be interesting, though, depending on what the Padres do for the rest of their rotation. Um, I will say that while they are paying Robert Suarez a lot, especially as compared to a lot of the other closers in baseball right now, I do think it needs to be mentioned that um, Peter Seidler, Padres ownership, all by all accounts, they're still committed to the team. And I think that that's a really important thing to bring up because, because there is a whole lot of other teams in baseball that aren't. And I think that them coming out so soon after and saying we're still super committed to this team, I think is a really good sign for going forward saying, yeah. Uh, we're going to spend this offseason. We might not go crazy. I think everybody needs to be careful and not say, dream scenario, they're going to go out and they're going to sign, let's see here, who do we got here? Uh, Wilson Contreras, they're going to bring him in, right? I definitely want to do that. Um, They're going to bring in Jose Abreu at 36 years old, but he's a great slugging player. They're going to bring in Anthony Rizzo, and they're going to bring in Segura, who the Phillies very mysteriously, by the way, didn't pick up the option for. I don't know if he has a spot on the Padres roster right now. That'd be tough. I think what would have to happen is Cronenworth moves to first, and then Segura would be second base. 
But then what do you do when... I, I don't know. That That's a weird one, but it's... Man, it would fun, be fun to have Gene Segura. But anyway. You know, they're not going to go out and sign Trey Turner and a, a crap ton of guys. But they're not going to just stand still. And I think that because of how far they made it, because of how passionate their fan bases are, uh, because of the fact that there's no other team in San Diego, right? I think that they're going to be uh, well committed. I just don't know if this is the type of offseason where they're going to go absolutely nuts. Um, another thing worth talking about, two things actually. Mm-mm-mm. Need a sip of water there. Um, two things worth talking about. Number one, they talked about Juan Soto a little bit in this article mentioning, you know, the extension talk and whatnot. I also do not feel as many others that the extension talk is going to be very serious this year. He's still got two years left, and that was part of the reason why the Padres traded so much for him, right? So it goes both ways, right? They trade so much for him because they have those two years of control, and they trade so much for him because they probably want him to remain a Padre for a long time. He did reject that 15-year, $440-$50 million, something like that, contract from the Nationals. So we'll see how it plays out, but I don't think he's going to get it this offseason. I think that there's going to be one more season where they let it go, because you've got two years of control anyway. You've got Tatis, and you've got Manny locked up for so long. Why would you feel like it's a, a, a must right now? I don't think it's a must, especially after coming off of one of his worst overall seasons uh, this past season, Juan Soto, especially because of the defense that he needs to work on faux show and... I think he can improve it. I think he was very good in 2021. I don't know what happened, but I don't think that there's any rush to do that. And I think that Soto's camp is probably not going to necessarily want to settle on extension because it might be around the same thing that the Nationals offered, if not a little bit less just because of his down year. Um, that could just be me. But 3.8 F4, again, that's not bad. It's just bad by... Soto's standards and by what people are expecting him to command, which at one point people thought he would be the first $500 million player. If you look at every season of his career, 3.7 in 2018 as a rookie, 5.7 in 2019, 2020 2.6, remember, in a small sample size, and then 2021 a 7F4, and this year 3.8. So bottom line, his hitting is unprecedented. He's going to be around for a while, but that's something to monitor, but I would not expect a contract extension or much crazy rumors of one happening it'd be cool it'd be exciting but it's not a must especially since he's got two years of control take advantage of what you have right now and see what else you can allocate and see what else you can figure out many things can change just ask the tatis guy which is another thing we have to talk about all right this padre signed this guy for 14 years and then all this stuff has happened right you just don't know what's gonna happen so don't feel a rush um in the athletic article article they mention that it's a possibility that Tatis plays second base. Huh. That's really interesting. Because Hassan Kim was so excellent at shortstop this year and improved as a hitter. Great clubhouse guy. Clearly, everyone's rooting for him. Him and Manny are adorable. Love that stuff. And they clearly have a good kinship, good chemistry, all of that. So, that doesn't surprise me at all. I am not surprised in the least that after what has happened with Tatis... Hold on, everybody. With not getting shoulder surgery at the right time, with just in general injury stuff, with the the tomfoolery of the motorcycle stuff, with with the PED suspension, which he is expected to come back from around April or April twentieth, if I'm not mistaken. 
might be a little bit earlier, like the 11th or something like that. I don't have it right in front of me. But with all of that, I don't think he's earned himself any type of first dibs on the shortstop position, even if that is his position that he wants to play. And I think that that's totally fine for both sides. And I bet that Tatis himself probably acknowledges that, especially considering it's not like they're putting some schmuck there who can't play shortstop like, say, why did Ian Desmond come to mind for me? It's kind of messed up that I thought that. I don't know, because he's not even like playing right now. But like a, a bad defensive shortstop. I can't think of one right now off the top of my head um, that they're putting there, right? It's not like they have some scrub that's taking over for Tatis. It's, this isn't a, a Brandon Crawford. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, no, seriously. So I think that that's what's going to happen. Now, if he were to go to second base, I really do feel like the Padres are just going to say, screw it. Let's put Cronin with it first. We're going to have a mixture of guys who can play second. And then we're going to get someone for the outfield. Maybe you buy a little bit low on some players I've been talking about for a while, like Jack Peterson, like Robbie Grossman. Maybe that's the area you want to go. Maybe you reunite with Adam Frazier. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that, that probably is not going to happen. And obviously shortstop is absolutely loaded uh, this year with Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson. That's, that's a foursome. That's a force, and that's that's arguably even more stacked than last year's class, which was supposed to feature Francisco Lindor, but instead featured Correa, Javier Baez, and a couple other players that I can't quite remember off the top of my head right now. Um, you know, will they re-sign Brandon Jury? There's a lot of questions here, and I think that moving Cronenworth to first base allows, or at least the possibility that he can go there, it makes your roster a lot more malleable and makes it that you can potentially sign anyone to play any position. You don't have to worry about being constricted to only looking at first baseman, second baseman, third baseman, etc. Which is great. I love that. And I think that while this free agent class isn't like nearly as insane as last year's, it's still pretty awesome. Um, and it's still got some really good players in there. And most importantly, keep in mind... It's the tiny little moves that tend to make a difference. Someone's going to sign like Corey Dickerson and he's going to be awesome for some reason this year. You know what I mean? Because that's just how baseball goes. So don't think that just because the Padres don't go all in on those shortstops or on Carlos Rodon that they're not going to, that that means that they're going to lose, right? There's a lot of different ways to go about this. And that's not even counting the fact that they might have a new catcher next year. Probably going to non-tender Jorge Alfaro. He's supposed to make a, a, a whatever, like $2 million or whatever next year. We'll see what happens with Nola and stuff like that, right? Like, they have Luis Campizano, right? So there's a lot of really cool, exciting stuff for what could be, despite having a couple guys who are going to be on the team for a long time, um, a lot of really interesting um, um, change, um, rollover, whatever the word is. Just a, a new look for the Padres team next year, and in hopefully a very good way. Especially if the big goober, Fernando Tatis Jr., comes back with uh, no issues and whatnot. So that's all going to be really interesting, and I can't wait. I can't wait, guys. Robert Suarez. Bullpen can be special. It's hard. It's hard. So I don't, I'm not going to give this deal like an A+. Plus. It's a B for now. Same thing that I felt about the, um, the deal for, um, what's his name? Josh Hader. For me... Love his stuff, love his talent. The the red flags are you just what I mentioned about Drew Pomeranz. Relievers are super volatile. He doesn't have the most proven track record in the world. 
those are some issues, but it could be a lights out bullpen and it could be them getting ahead of the curve uh, when it comes to uh, next year and Josh Hader's potential contract. So that's not too bad because if Edwin Diaz got what he just got, if Josh Hader cracks like 110 million or 115 million, uh, wouldn't you rather maybe just have Robert Suarez? That's what the Padres are making a bet on. But wow, ladies and gentlemen, that basically about does it for today's show. I think it was a pretty good one. What do you think? Okay, okay. maybe you're nodding to yourself right now. I did a decent job. Um, in terms of the future uh, job that I'll be doing here at Lockdown Padres, ladies and gentlemen, player reviews, starting those next week. Going to start with Manny Machado, talking about what could be an MVP season, whether or not he deserves it. Going to be talking about all sorts of players in that department. Grisham and Clevenger and Snell and Darvish. Going to review all of them because player reviews are fun. Fun way to get content out as well. Um, some other things that we have planned going forward, some crossovers may be in the works with some other Lockdown MLB hosts. I'm going to be talking about my favorite moments of the 2022 playoffs, which is going to be hopefully a lot of fun. Uh, might even get a special guest on for that one, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and just talk about my favorite moments. Obviously, the Padres are going to be front and center for that because this is Lockdown Padres, but that should be a little bit of a fun off-season content type of episode for you. And a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Catcher, first base, rotation. It's it's not, it doesn't feel like baseball is stopping as much as it felt like it was last year. It's probably because we don't have like a, a lockout incoming or anything like that, right? So that's probably what it is. But hopefully everybody, with that all being said, that is it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno until the app potentially explodes. J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O and then at L-O underscore Padres. Until next time, stay safe and of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. Yeah!